<laughs> Turn, if you would, to the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew. Actually, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves is the title of a book about grammar. <laughs> that it does matter. <laughs> We continue to work our way through the book of Matthew. Last week we ended up with some uh, wonderful verses where Jesus says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Twice in that passage the word rest is used. And we had a brief discussion last week about what rest means in the context of the Scripture. And we're going to spend today talking about that more. But in order to do that, we're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes through the days of creation. On day 1 he created this, on day 2 he created this, 3, 4, 5, and on day 6 humanity was created. And then the very first verse of chapter 2 says, Six days he created all that existed, on the seventh day he rested. Now, this is an interesting passage because... Do you think he was tired? I mean, I get tired. I just can't imagine God getting tired. So for six days, he did the act of creation. He spoke the world into existence. And it says on the seventh day, he rested. Why did he need to rest? Did he need to rest? Or was he simply setting a pattern for us to follow. Moses leads the nation of Israel out of captivity. They're in the desert. They go up onto the mountain. Lots of debate about which mountain that is. We won't get into that. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. One of those commandments is about remembering the Sabbath day. Now, we're looking at some pretty big things here. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal your neighbor's stuff, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's stuff. You won't take the Lord's name in vain. You will... This is pretty big stuff. Why in the middle of all of that does he give us a commandment regarding remembering and keeping the Sabbath day? Why would he do that? But they're out in the desert. They get hungry. They complain to God. God says, okay, I'll give you plenty to eat. I will drop this stuff on you that you can eat. So they come out the next morning and the ground is covered. And they go, what's that? Which is loosely translated manna. What's that? And they gather it up, they cook with it, and they make food, and they eat it. And God says, every day, that's going to be out there for you, except on the Sabbath day. On no day are you to save more than you can eat that one day, except on the day before the Sabbath day. And on the day before the Sabbath day, you collect two days' worth. So, 
the first day, there's this stuff everywhere. They get it, they cook it, they eat it, but you know how human beings are, right? I think I'll have some extra, just in case. What if it doesn't come tomorrow? So they gather some up, they put it in their jars, the next morning they open their jar and it's got worms in it. It has already gone bad. Shoot! We're going to gather this stuff on the day before the Sabbath day, and on the Sabbath day, it's going to be bad. So the day before the Sabbath day, they gather enough to eat, they gather enough to put in their pots for the next day, and they open it up, and it's perfectly good. But some people went out on the Sabbath day looking for the stuff on the ground, and guess what? It wasn't there. Why? What is this big deal about the Sabbath day? And that's what Jesus is going to get in trouble with, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. Today's lesson is all going to be about the Sabbath, but it's really about getting in trouble with the Pharisees. Because that's where we're headed. By the end of today's lesson, they're going to sit there and say, let's figure out how to destroy this guy. We've got to get rid of Jesus. And that's the conclusion. But the subject is the Sabbath day. Now, I have a question, and I really do want an answer to this question. How many of you grew up in a Christian home where there were certain things you didn't do on the Sabbath day. What were some of the things you didn't do? Shop? Huh? Go to movies? Go out to eat? Huh? You didn't shine your shoes on? You had to do it on Saturday night, okay? We had blue laws where certain things were sold or not sold on the Sabbath day. Somebody else? Huh? We didn't work. No shopping. No housework. Huh? You didn't bale hay. Well, I didn't bale hay the other six days either, so. You didn't not take a nap? Huh. <laughs> Go ahead. You didn't use scissors. Why did you not use scissors? Because that was related to sewing and that was work. And if I had a new paper doll book, I couldn't cut out paper dolls on Sunday. Because it involves scissors. No paper dolls on Sunday. What did you not do? Hmm, fry the chicken before the sun comes up so you're okay. My next question is a little stranger, and you don't have to answer this one. How did you feel about these things? Did you just think they were weird? Yes, we have some yeses here. Did you not like the fact that there were certain things you couldn't do on the Sabbath day? Were you resentful about it? Did you view it as being, I'm going to use that word, legalistic? It was just the way of life. Why did God 
in his infinite wisdom, give us a commandment that says, Thou shalt keep, honor the Sabbath day. You see, we're going to talk in our lesson today about the Sabbath, and don't worry, I'm not going to give you a list of things you can't do on the Sabbath day. But God, understanding who we are, understanding what we are, since he did create us, knows that left to our own devices, there are those of us who would work ourselves to death. Really. And if we didn't work ourselves to death, our employers would certainly work us to death. And God allocated one day of the week so that we could rest, and you ready for this? Depend on him to provide for us. I mean, if you grew up on a farm, and a lot of you did, if you're bailing hay, you obviously did, there is always work to be done. There doesn't reach a point where, okay, everything's done, I'm going to sit on the chair waiting for something new to pop up. If your life is like mine, there is always something else to do. There is always something else to strive for, to obtain, to work at. And God says, I want you, like the nation of Israel, on the day before the Sabbath, I want you to trust me that I am going to provide for you for the next day and the next day and the next day. That's why he told us, six days shall you labor, and on the seventh you will rest. Now, just to get a couple of easy questions out of the way, what day is the Sabbath day? The Sabbath is actually Saturday, okay? If you're a good Jewish person, it's the, the Sabbath is the Saturday. Now, if you're our, one of our, I don't know, Seventh-day Adventist friends, you still celebrate on the Saturday, because it is the Jewish Sabbath. I have a co-worker who is a member of the Seventh-day Adventist, and his argument is they like professional football more than they like college football. <laughs> Go figure that one out. The early church, to celebrate the resurrection, started having the Sabbath on Sunday. In fact, the early Jewish Christians would go to the synagogue on Sabbath and they would do the Christian service on Sunday to recognize the resurrection. We, the Christian church, then just began celebrating the Sabbath on Sunday. That's why we do it. Does the Sabbath law apply to us Today, can I sit here and come up with this list of things that you ought not do on the Sabbath day? There's actually lots of interesting debate about this. Because if you look at the Ten Commandments, and you have a discussion whether the Ten Commandments still apply to us today, okay? Maybe that's the old dispensation, that's the law, it doesn't apply to us. I have a tendency to think that it reflects the character of God and is still in effect. But it's an interesting discussion. 
Nine of those ten commandments are repeated in the New Testament. Guess which one's not? The Sabbath day. Remember in our Sermon on the Mount when we got to the you have heard it said, but I say to you, long section, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. Where did it say that? The Ten Commandments. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Where did it say that? The Ten Commandments. So they get reiterated, but the Sabbath one doesn't. Why? Hmm. Maybe we should think about that in just a moment. Calvin had a very good answer. You want to know what his answer is? Because every day is the Sabbath. Every day we live a life of dependence upon God. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and like manna from heaven, every day we live a life of dependence upon God. Yes? Jesus became our our Sabbath. Let's talk about that in just a moment. Chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath day. They're going from point A to point B. They're walking along, and they're walking through the fields. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. Now, this sounds a little strange to me. Okay, you're walking through the fields. You start pulling the grain out. They rubbed it in their hands, and then they ate it. Kind of a snack to eat on the road, okay? You didn't have a protein bar. You didn't have the chocolate. You just had the nothing, yeah. All that granola stuff. Now, let's make sure of a couple of things. First off, they weren't stealing. They weren't robbing this person of his grain. If you go look at the book of Leviticus, when you... They're talking about what you should do when you own and work a field. It says you're not to be very efficient. Well, that's not exactly what it says, but that's really what it means. You're not to go over the field twice. You're not to work the edges. Why? So that the poor and needy can go out and gather enough to eat from the edges and from the stuff that is left in the field. That was their right, and it's an interesting observation about handling an economic system dealing with the poor. We're not going to go there. They were not stealing by going through the field and pulling the heads of the grain off, rubbing them in their hands, and eating them. But we have two problems. One, they're reaping, and number two, they're processing it on the Sabbath day. They are working on the Sabbath day. Heaven forbid. But when the Pharisees saw it, let's just stop right there. It is the Sabbath day. What should a good Pharisee be doing? They should be in the synagogue talking about the love of God. What are they doing? They're following Jesus and his disciples to catch them doing something wrong. That's a good Pharisee. The good Pharisee who comes to church to make sure that everybody else at church is behaving themselves when they should be thinking about the love of God. More about that in just a moment. 
The Pharisees, they said to him, Jesus, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Your disciples are breaking the law. What are you going to do about it? Jesus, what are you going to do because your followers are breaking the law? And Jesus is going to explain why it's okay what they're doing. That's the purpose of the first half of this lesson. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priest? That's kind of strange. Why would you pick this story? Well, David, the first, eh, the second king, but the first good one, the king of Israel ate bread that was, he was not supposed to eat. Well, does his bad justify their bad? I don't know. You remember the story, right? David is not king at this point. In fact, David is running from Saul. Saul, we spend multiple, multiple years, we covered this several years ago, multiple, multiple years running from Saul. And he flees and his men are starving. So they enter the, they go to the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, or in the vicinity of whatever was left of it, they had bread. A loaf of bread was made every week for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So there would be 12 loaves of bread and they would sit there on the table. And the priests were allowed to eat that bread. But only the priests. Well, David shows up, he and his guys, and he says, do you have anything to eat? And they said, the only thing we've got is this bread of the presence, and you're not supposed to eat it. And he says, give it to us, we're on a mission from the king. Now, that's kind of a lie, but we're not going to go there. Give us that bread, huh? He's shaking his head, it wasn't a lie. <laughs> that's okay, it's, a, it's open to debate. I think he's running away for his life, but... So they get the bread, and he he tells the priest, go ahead, and he eats it. Now, was that right, or was that wrong for him to eat that bread? Well, Jesus is going to tell us it was okay. Why? Why? Hmm. More about that in just a moment. Example number, reason number two. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Okay. We have a perfect system, whatever that would look like. There's no work done on the Sabbath day. There's no fast food places open on the Sabbath day. There's none of that. But somebody's working. Who is that? My wife, because she's downstairs running the nursery. The pastor of this church, because he's preaching. The music person of this church, because he's leading the music. The maintenance people, because they're making sure that there are people who are working, doing the work of God on this day. And he says the priests work on the Sabbath day. Yet they're not in trouble. Why? Why aren't the priests in trouble by working on the Sabbath day because they're doing the work that God told them to do on the Sabbath day. 
huh, we got to keep thinking about this. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Now that's got to blow their minds. Remember, they're in the middle of a grain field. Now we're talking about David taking the food out of the tabernacle. We're talking about the people working in the temple on the Sabbath day. And then in the middle of this grain field, Jesus tells them there's something greater than the temple here. And you can imagine them looking around, going, what? Quick question. What is that something? Jesus. Everything in that tabernacle, everything in that temple pointed to Jesus. And Jesus says, I am here. And by the way, I am the bread of life. David took it, but that was okay. Because it was a picture that I am the bread of life. The priest work on the Sabbath day. But remember, don't remember, all of that is a picture and the book of Hebrews is going to tell us Jesus is the great high priest. Something greater than the temple is present right here. And here you are, Pharisees, worrying about my disciples picking a head of grain off and rubbing it in their hands. Let's keep going. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here, and if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. Here is the bottom line. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Huh. Uh, remember, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. We actually talked about this, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, because the exact same verse from Hosea was quoted back then. Every time he's going to run in to the Pharisees, he's going to remind them you're not doing what God wants you to do. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And we talked about this, so I hate to repeat too much of it. It's just so good. This entire sacrificial system was developed by God. God said, do this. Then why all of a sudden is he saying, I don't want that? Why in the book of Hosea does he say, forget that? Well, he doesn't really say forget that. What he says is you've taken the ritual of the law and you've elevated it and you've totally forgotten why all of this exists. This isn't done so that you can raise your nose or point your finger at somebody else. That's not why this exists. The Sabbath was not created for you to use it as a club to beat someone else over the head with. It just wasn't done that way. It was done for your good. 
Huh. The Mark passage that deals with this adds a little sentence that's kind of interesting. The Sabbath was created for man. Not man for the Sabbath. Who comes first? The human being. Now, does that mean, does that mean, therefore, we can reinterpret it any way we want? Well, you can, but it's going to get you in trouble. Why? Because you need the rest. You talk to, I don't know, middle-aged people. You know, me, 20 years ago. I had a house full of kids. I had a house full of kids. I had kids everywhere. I was going to work every day. I was doing, I was, and I'm sitting there going, if you had asked me, what do you want to do? Well, I do want to spend time with my family. But I've got to go to work. I do want to read my Bible. That may be a, have been a lie, but I would have said it. <laughs> I want to spend time with friends. I want to rest. And God says, great! I am going to tell you one day out of seven, that's what you need to do. Go spend time with your family. Spend time with your kids. Go to church. Worship. Learn about me. Take a nap. But God, you're making me do this. I'm making you, this is God speaking, I'm making you do what you really wanted to do if you really had the opportunity to do it. And we look at God and go, God, you're a mean God for making me rest. We had a, uh, we went camping on Friday night. My wife and me, five of my children, one daughter-in-law, one son-in-law, one fiancé, one boyfriend. We had a mob. So we sat around in the evening and we were, went around the circle and everybody said something that they remembered that was nice from their childhood. And it was kind of fun. And by the way, I didn't make this up. Somebody else did. And then we got into the tell something stupid that you did as a child. But that was a whole different story. And one of my children commented that I used to put them to bed and I would sit outside the door and I'd read a book. Okay? I would read the book because I could hear if they were moving. <laughs> and I would say, get back in bed. Get back in bed. Get back in bed. But I would read my book. I remember this particular night very vividly. Whatever child it was was not going to sleep. And I'm sitting there reading a book. And I'm getting a little frustrated because I'm sitting there for so long. And then I started thinking, what do I want to do that I would be doing if I wasn't sitting outside this door? And what was the answer? Reading a book! So I was getting frustrated because I had to do what I really wanted to do. Does that make sense? But that's how we look at the Sabbath day. We get frustrated with God because he's making us do what he knows that we ought to do, which is what is necessary for human 
flourishing. The Ten Commandments, all of them, all of them, are what is necessary for human flourishing. Now, throughout history, there have always been Pharisees. I need a club to beat Van over the head with. And you know what? I bet I can find one in the Bible. But guess what? Guess what? I have forgotten that what God wants is mercy, not sacrifice. I have abandoned, I have abandoned the true meaning of God's revelation to us. That God desires mercy. Now, did God want them to implement the sacrificial system? Yes, he did. Why? Because it was a picture of Jesus Christ so that they would understand that without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. Jesus Christ was the perfect high priest. He was the perfect sacrifice offered on our behalf. He is the tabernacle. He's all of it. It was all a picture, a sign of Jesus It was necessary. It was necessary, but we as sinful human beings turned it on its head and used it as a club. The Pharisees who studied the Scripture should have been the most humble people, but instead... We don't know anybody like that today. Yes, go ahead. How? Well, the bread, the bread was the the picture, okay? The bread was the picture, one for each tribe, and Jesus later says, I am the bread of life. That's the connection. The interesting to me, and this is a bending it around a little bit, is that David was able to participate in it, even though David was not a priest. And I, with my Pharisee tendencies would have pointed and said, David did that and it was bad. Now, we studied the life of David. And remember, David did a lot of things bad. I mean, we think about David, a man after God's own heart. He was very repentant when he did it, but he did a lot of... So why couldn't this have just been another one of those things? Except for the fact that Jesus comes along and says, no, that's okay. He did that because it was necessary for his life, and that's more important than who eats what, when, and where. So, the bread that was in the tabernacle sustained him. The bread that Jesus gives us sustains us. That's the connection. It's interesting. Why did the Pharisees Get so wrapped up. Number one reason. They were looking for something to pin on Jesus. Today, throughout history, there are always, there always has been, and there always will be those inside the church and those outside the church who are looking at things to bash people over the head. Now, 
The purpose of this lesson is the Sabbath. The real purpose of this lesson is the Pharisees going after Jesus. So the lesson from this lesson is don't be the Pharisee. But it's so much fun. And we begin to think that we really are doing the work of God by bashing people over the head. Now, we had a long discussion about this, working through the Sermon on the Mount, about being judgmental. Don't judge your neighbor, because in the same way you judge... But it also says that we deal with the, what, the two-by-four in our own eye so we can help them with their specks in their eyes. There really are things in our society that we need to address. But there's a world of difference between me standing up in public and saying, you know, John Blow, he's really messing up and nobody should associate with him. And me taking John aside and saying, can I help you with this issue that you're struggling with. It's not just a little bit of difference. It is a huge difference. The Pharisees, the Pharisees should have known this. But we come to the last line of that sentence, of that paragraph. For the Son of Man, the Son of Man is the title that Jesus uses most often about himself to emphasize his humanity. We talk about Jesus as the Son of God, which is true. Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man to emphasize his humanity. So he's talking right here about himself. No ambiguity. He's talking about himself. For the Son of Man is the Lord... The Lord is the one who gets to set the rules. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Why do we know that it was okay for David to eat that bread? Because Jesus said it was okay. Wait a minute. Do you mean that... Does that mean that Jesus can just change the law willy-nilly? I mean, yesterday it was okay to not kill people. Today you've got to kill people. No. What it means is that we cannot truly understand the law without the interpretation that only Jesus provides. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I get to declare what is and is not proper on the Sabbath. That's what that whole section of the Sermon on the Mount was about. You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. I am telling you what that means. And what it means is that it's not just an external activity. It is a matter of the heart. You have heard it said, you shall not kill. I say, don't be angry with your brother. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. I say, if you've lusted after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He took the external, made it internal. That's what he's doing right here. The Pharisees had reduced the Sabbath to a set of rules and regulations that only they could follow. They had a list that was so strict 
Nobody but a professional good person, a Pharisee, could have kept it. And what had they, what had they done? They had taken it and they had moved it to a purely external activity. What was it meant to be? A matter of the heart. What is the matter of the heart? A reliance that on that seventh day, God is going to provide enough manna on the sixth day so that on the seventh day you'll have plenty to eat. What does it mean? It means we can rely on God. Take my yoke and you will find rest. What is the rest that we need? The end of our striving to earn our position before God by our works. What were the Pharisees trying to do? They were trying to be better than everybody else. And I will give, you, give them a little bit of credit. I will. They were trying to be right before God. To the level of their understanding. If God says here's ten rules or there's six hundred, I'm going to add another six thousand just to make sure. Because I'm better than I'm good enough. There were Pharisees that were righteous people. But they were striving to do it under their own power. And guess what? There is no rest. Last fall, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. You heard the stories of Martin Luther, right? Martin Luther would go to confession for five, six hours a day. It was driving the priest nuts. Go away, Martin. Come back when you've actually done something bad. But Martin Luther knew. The scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he knew he hadn't done that. He knew he couldn't do that. He was striving to find a righteousness that would allow him to stand in the presence of a holy God. And finally, he looked at that verse in Romans and he realized it wasn't his righteousness that made him right before God. It was the righteousness of Christ imputed to him. Guess what? Then you can take Sunday off because you can't do it. And guess what? You can take Monday off too. You may still have to go to work, but you don't have to strive to obtain salvation. You don't have to struggle to obtain salvation because it's been provided for you. And Jesus says, there's someone greater than the temple, and I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if you're a Pharisee and you intend to stay a Pharisee, you're really ticked off at this point. You're just really ticked off. I mean... We're talking blasphemy here. You're Lord of the Sabbath? There's something greater than the temple sitting here in the middle of this wheat field? You're nuts. <sighs> We're halfway there. He went on from there and entered their synagogue. This would not have actually been that unusual. The synagogue was the place where, in the local community, they met to talk about the law, talk about the scripture. 
And it was not unusual for a visiting teacher to come in, pick up the scroll, read a passage, and have a discussion about what that passage meant. That would not have been that unusual. So he goes into the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they ask him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, this is a bizarre question to me. Okay? Um, you know, if you ask me, is it, okay, is it okay to cook dinner on the Sabbath? Then we could have a discussion. Why? Because I could cook dinner. You could cook dinner. We could all cook dinner. The only question is, ought we do it on the Sabbath? That's the question. But if I ask you, is it okay to, without any mechanical aid, to jump a mile in the air on the Sabbath? It's kind of a mute point, because none of us can do it, right? I mean, it's like asking, can you run around the entire earth in 30 seconds on the Sabbath day? Is that okay to do? Well, you can't do it on Monday or Tuesday either. So they come to Jesus and they say, is it lawful to heal a person on the Sabbath day? None of them can do this. There's only one person in this room, in this synagogue, who can do that. And they know it. They're acknowledging it. Isn't this the weirdest thing? Now, if you look at the Luke passage... It almost looks like a contradiction because it kind of says that Jesus brings this up and it kind of over here says that they bring it up. And what's the solution to that? Well, we see it several times in the scripture where the Pharisees are kind of sitting around mulling amongst themselves. You know, do you think it's okay to do this or what? The, and Jesus, who knows their hearts, he brings it up and he says, you want to know if it's okay to heal on the Sabbath, Right? because that's what he just heard them talking about. Question, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And why did they ask him this? So that they might accuse him. If there's any debate about the condition of their heart, here it is. They are setting a trap. We see politicians do this all the time. We see average people do it all the time. The problem is the average people usually aren't very good at it. But they try, okay? We try to set people up. We're just not very good at it. They are trying to find a reason to accuse Jesus. He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Simple illustration. You've got your little farm. You've got your sheep. You've got your goats. You are doing your Sabbath thing. And your son runs in and says, Dad, the sheep has just fallen into a pit. What are you going to do? Well, it's the Sabbath day. Let's leave the sheep in the pit. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to rush out there and you're going to get the sheep out of the hole because it's in danger of losing its life. You're in danger of losing the value of the sheep. 
And you do it. And guess what? Your neighbors aren't going to say, well, that was a bad thing to do. We're going to kill you for that. No, they're going to understand that it was okay to do acts of necessity on the Sabbath day. How much more value is a man than a sheep? Now, this is one of those questions that ought to be a stupid question. But the problem is, which is more valuable to me? You ready for this? My sheep or some random person? My sheep or some random person? Unfortunately, oftentimes the answer is my sheep. Because my sheep is mine. It belongs to me. It is of value to me. The random person, what value are they to me? But that's not the perspective Jesus takes. Remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago? He saw the crowds and he was moved because he knew they were a sheep without a shepherd. They were sheep that had fallen into the hole and they didn't have a shepherd to come pull them out of the hole. Which is more valuable? In Jesus' mind and in his illustration here, there is no question. But when my pigs get filled with demons that Jesus allowed in them, and my pigs run off the cliff into the ocean, into the Sea of Galilee, when my pigs disappear, all of a sudden I want Jesus to leave because I'm worried about the rest of my animals. Instead of the man who was demon-possessed and is now of right mind. Question. This has nothing to do with the Sabbath. Question. Do we have the value system that Jesus demonstrates? We better get back to the Sabbath. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. Remember that sentence. I don't care how strict you are in keeping the Sabbath, and if you do keep it, more power to you. It is always lawful to do acts of mercy on the Sabbath day. Always, always, always. If you're driving home today and there's a car beside of the road and some sweet old lady is there with a flat tire, you have the right to stop and help that person. If there's someone in need, by all means you have the right to help that person on the Sabbath day. But guess what? What did Calvin say? Every day is the Sabbath. Why? Because we're no longer striving to do it ourselves. So if you can do an act of mercy on Tuesday, you can do that too. Wednesday, that's fine. Even a Monday. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. Who's telling them this? The Lord of the Sabbath. 
Let me tell you the rules, guys, okay? It's okay to do good. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. Simple as could be. The Pharisees ask something that's impossible for them to do, and they ask if it's okay to do on the Sabbath. I would argue that Jesus didn't even really work here, okay? It's not like, let's get out the surgery equipment, let's do a 12-hour surgery, it's a lot of work, but we're going to do it on the Sabbath day. I would argue he didn't even really work here. He just said, stretch out your hand. That's all he did. God spoke the world into existence in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 2, he rested. Why? To show us what we needed to do. It may take you a little more effort to do an act of mercy on the Sabbath day. But go ahead and do it. It's okay. The Lord of the Sabbath has told you to do it. He's told you that it's okay. Go and do it. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Van's comment was they were a sharp group. They no longer are just paying attention to what he's saying. They're no longer just having mild arguments with him. What do you really mean by that? And he kind of jabs back at them. They're no longer doing that. They are working to figure out how to destroy him. A couple of observations. Number one. There's always, always, always going to be those who want to destroy the message of Christ. We've talked about this. We talked about the persecution. We talked about all this. We talk about it so we're not surprised when it comes. Number two, don't be that person whose goal in life is to destroy somebody else. I believe in the inerrancy of the scripture. I believe what it says is true. I also know that there are other believers in Christ who somehow, for some strange reason, have a different interpretation of certain passages than I have. Guess what? I'm not to set out to destroy them just because they differ from my opinion about certain things or my understanding. That's not my job. If there's going to be a problem, God's going to take care of it. I'm simply to speak the truth. How they treated Jesus is how they're going to treat us, and how Jesus responded is how we are supposed to respond. Now, I've got zero minutes left, so I'm going to answer the question you wanted to know. Should we keep the Sabbath today? Years, years ago, Ted preached a series of sermons on the Ten Commandments, and when he got to the long discussion about honoring the Sabbath day, he made the comment that I really liked. Sunday should not 
just be another day of the week. It shouldn't be. We should set it aside to do things that bring glory and honor to God. Guess what? Rest brings glory and honor to God. Not striving to get more and more stuff brings glory and honor to God. So what does that mean? Well, if working in your garden helps you relax and rest and it brings glory and honor to God, go work in your garden with a clean conscience. If it's just striving to get more done, don't do it. Are there relationships that you need to work on? Good thing to do on the Sabbath day. Go do it. God has given you the opportunity. We meet to worship on the Sabbath day. Why? To bring glory and honor to God. Not to be Pharisees and sit here and figure out how to point our finger at each other. That's what we're supposed to do. So the answer is yes, and the answer is a little bit no, but it's mainly yes. Don't treat it like every other day. Find reasons on the Sabbath to bring glory and honor to God. And guess what? Some of that may bleed over into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and that's great, and Friday, and by Saturday you'll be exhausted. On Sunday, you'll need a rest. And guess what? That's okay. But I've got to work to get more manna, or I just, God may not come through tomorrow. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. But, but, trusting that's the purpose of the sabbath for us to trust god to take care of our needs do we believe that i hope so let's close in prayer generally father thank you for your law that tells us how we are to strive but i pray lord that we would not strive in our own energy to accomplish our own salvation. I pray, Lord, that you would protect us from being the Pharisees, that we would, in fact, seek mercy for all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.